Ezra chapter 9, verses 5 through 8. Thank you, Lord. This is how it reads. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my heaviness. Notice that he said, I rose from my heaviness. I, I, I didn't detect that when I come in, I felt a heaviness come over me. And having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, O my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to spoil, and to confusion of face, as it is this day. And now, for a little space, grace have been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in this holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Before I pray, I want to speak to you on a subject title today. My subject title is actually a question. What has happened to the blush? What has happened to the blush? My Father, I thank you, God, because you've enabled me with the strength to stand before this congregation today. I thank you for the worship of this service. It's been great. I thank you for everyone that is here. Now for the next few moments, Lord, let us forget everything else but focus upon your word. And I ask God for guidance and direction through the Holy Spirit that I may deliver unto the people the words you've given unto me. And everything's accomplished. We will always give you the praise and you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I read to you from Ezra chapter 9, the first five, uh, verses 5 through 8. But the focus text that I'm going to pick from that, to use from that, is the ninth verse, Ezra 9 and 6. And let me repeat that. And said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. Upon reading those scriptures and comparing them what they had in that day and what we're going through today in our nation and the world, I have to ask the question, what has happened to the blush? 
Now the ministry of Ezra took place during the days immediately after the 70-year captivity in Babylon. Ezra, along with others like Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, uh, and others of the Scripture's name, were instrumental in the restoration of the city, the wall, the temple, the worship, and all, and all of that. Our story picks up after Ezra, who was a scribe, by the way, had received the news that the people was already reverting to their old ways by mingling with those who worship false gods. Now, the law of Moses spoke explicitly against intermarriages with Gentile nations who didn't worship Jehovah only. Ezra had rent his garments, the Scripture said, which, by the way, when they rent their garments, uh, was a, uh, an act to show disdain or disgust. Uh, as he rent his garments, he was pouring out his heart to God in repentance for his people. And as he prayed, he told God he was ashamed for the way Israel had acted and even blushed to lift up his face to the Lord. In actuality, Ezra was saying he was embarrassed to even look God in the eye and in the face. Now, in our world today, we too have many things that are taking place in society and in the church which displeases God. Those who commit sin and abominations, doing it in a wide open daylight in an almost prideful and boastful way. When Ezra came before God to pray, for the sins of his nation, he told God that he was ashamed and he blushed to lift up his face unto him. Church, our nation stands today along with our political leaders and many of the religious leaders in the world in a backslidden state of apostasy and degradation. But no one seems to be uh, in the slightest state of remorse or regret for their sins. Instead of bowing our heads in shame to God, we openly and brazenly lift up our heads in pride over our sins. And we mock God, we mock His Word, and we mock those who stand for what is right. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm feeling anointing raising upon me even now. In essence, we have lost the blush and become arrogant and haughty, flaunting our sins in the very face of Almighty. God our creator hallelujah amen so I stand before this congregation on this Sunday morning and those who review this message online and ask the question what has happened to the blush why can we do wrong why can we disobey God's holy writ amen and it not seem to bother us and we go about our life in a prideful way not embarrassed not ashamed not trying to hide. Amen. Think about that. Think about it. Now, according to Mr. Webster in his best-selling book on words of the English language, I'm talking about the dictionary, of course, the word blush, he said, is that reddish color 
that spreads over your face when you are ashamed or embarrassed. I don't know how that fits me because everybody tells my face always stays red, especially when I get to going. I've had people, I, I never will forget, I remember uh, uh, Tommy Brazel years ago, the first time I came into, came into the church, we come in just visiting, we was living in Bowling Green, we hadn't take, taken the pastorship yet, and I came in and I preached over there uh, uh, one Sunday morning for uh, Pastor Hale, and I got to going and Later, I found out that I, the harder I preached, the scareder Tommy Brazel got. He told those sitting around him, oh, man, that man's going to kill over with a heart attack. I have a stroke. Look at him. Hallelujah. Look how red his face is. Well, my face always does that way when I get going. Hallelujah. Amen. But we're talking now about a blush that, uh, that people get when they are ashamed or embarrassed. It's when you become self-conscious over something and most of the time, it's associated with humiliation or shame. But in our society today, our society today seems to feel no shame. Come on. They don't feel no shame. They don't feel no humiliation. We as a nation seem to know we don't, well, we, we know, uh, we don't know shame any longer or the abominable acts that we commit because we have become righteous in our own eyes, thus justifying our ungodly behavior by calling evil good and good evil, just like the Bible said. So we have no conviction over our sins, becoming prideful over our actions. Look around and see all the gay pride parades going around and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's not the only thing I'm talking about. We don't seem to feel no shame, no humiliation. One of those reasons is because of pride. And I want to talk to you briefly in one point of this about the dangers of pride. Hallelujah. The dangers of pride. We cannot afford to allow pride to get the upper hand in our lives. Everybody here can quote the scripture, and I'm going to have them put it up on the screen. Proverbs 16 and 8 that says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Hallelujah. All through the Bible we read how pride is at the heart and root of every sin. And pride, listen to me, church, pride loves to be elevated and displayed openly. But the very nature of pride will set its own self up to fall and be consumed. And when pride takes root in your heart, follow me close now, when pride takes root in your heart, it will turn unto deception to whereas you think you are right when you are in fact very wrong. Pride, your pride will deceive you. Now, I, I believe the gifts of the Spirit. I believe the speaking in tongues. But there's an awful lot of Pentecostal people. Listen, we, we've talked about... Um, We've talked about the traditions of the nominal people for, for years. 
But listen, if we're going to be uh, honest about the situation, I'm going to tell you something. Hallelujah. Pentecost has got a lot of traditions of her own. And we have been led to believe that, that tongues is everything. God did not fill you with the Spirit just because you can talk in tongues. And the devil does a great job of mimicking in tongues. We was at the old church years ago, and we was praying over a, a man who had some evil spirits. He had got caught up in pornography and all kind of stuff like that. And as we were praying, and I was praying for him, I think the, I think the Lord allowed this to teach me a lesson because I was still I'm still learning myself. And as I was praying, uh, and we was trying to uh, pray uh, deliverance for this man possessed by this uh, uh, demon of pornography, I was speaking in tongues. The man's head was turned around. He was on all fours, and he was looking down. And when I spoke in tongues, he turned his head back around and looked me eyeball to eyeball, and he spoke in tongues, word for word, everything I'd said in tongues. The devil can talk in tongues also. Hallelujah. Amen. And when you allow pride to get into your life, pride, amen, will eventually deceive you to make you think you are right when you are wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. Obadiah chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Let's see what he says. The pride of thine heart have deceived thee. Look at that. It wasn't the devil that deceived you. It wasn't, it wasn't a false prophet that deceived you. But it was the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwelleth in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith, remember I told you pride likes elevation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. Pride cometh before a fall. It will happen. Hallelujah. Now, we all know how God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. We talk about that a lot. And as, as I was preparing this message this morning, the Lord led me to a scripture that I knew was there, and I began to think of all the years that I have taught and I've heard others talk about Sodom and Mar and, and the sin that took place called that destruction. I've never recalled, and uh, uh, this is not saying that, uh, that's, that, that many haven't, it's just I haven't recalled and I hadn't seen it. I haven't recalled many talk about the root of the problem of Sodom and Gomorrah that led them into deception so deep that it caused God to destroy those twin cities. Pride is very, very terrible. We all know how God destroyed those cities, but many overlooked the pride which was the root of their problem. They become unashamed and lost their blush 
over their sin because of pride. Did you hear what I said? Sodom and Gomorrah lost the blush. They no longer became embarrassed or ashamed. They were so prideful and so arrogant that the angels that God sent down there that could have been their deliverance, they actually tried to take those angels and commit sin with them. But pride was their downfall. It was the thing that led them into the degradation. Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49. Look, look at this, what Ezekiel said. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride. Notice, he didn't say lust. He didn't say inordinate affection here. He said pride. And then he said, the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of things to eat, abundance of idleness, was in her, and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Man, does, that, does not that remind you of America today? We've been the most blessed nation on the face of the earth. We've, got, we've had fullness of bread. Anything to eat that we want to eat. People in America who claim they live in poverty don't know what poverty is all about. I, I, I've not been to many, but I've been, I, I've, been to, I've been to some third world countries. I've been to Mexico. I've, I've been to Haiti. And you know what? I've, I've seen some missionaries that's come to some of these places. Uh, they were foreign nationals. They were born and raised in some of these other places, and they come, come to America. And as we take them, you take them down, maybe to under the bridge in Nashville, to the bridge ministry going on down there, and, and see all of the, of the many homeless and the thousands that we got homeless there in Nashville. And you know what those people from the other countries say? I said, man, these homeless people, they got so much more than what we got. Hallelujah. There's always a place. Seems like if somebody gets, needs to get something to eat, you can go somewhere somebody's going to feed you. Somebody's going to help you. America has become just like Sodom, not only in the sins, but our prideful and arrogant heart that has led us to this point and place that we're in. Hallelujah. Amen. Fullness of bread, having all the blessings, abundance of idleness, you know. Everything, I mean, it's a perfect image. Amen. Just as pride caused the fall of Lucifer in the beginning when he forever lost his blush, pride will bring down every deceived soul who becomes wrapped up in its diabolical clutches. Hallelujah. We don't have nothing to pride in, folks. We don't have nothing to glory in. All, all the glory needs to go to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? All the glory needs to go to him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Then, then there comes the loss of conviction. The second and the final point that I want to talk about. The loss of conviction. Another reason beside pride that we have lost our blush 
over sin is in the fact that we have trampled our God-given inner conscience so much that we have become numb to sin, thus losing all conviction over sin. I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody said, well, Pastor, I don't feel condemned over that. You've already been deceived. Because in your mind, the devil's got you thinking that just because you don't feel convicted over it, you're going to be accepted by God. It ain't going to be what you feel convicted over. It's going to be what the Word of God says because that's what you're going to be judged by. You're not going to be judged by your convictions. You're going to be judged by the Word of God. Hallelujah. That's why we have to line up to the Word. Oh, hallelujah. We become numb to sin, losing all conviction over sin. Notice what Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19 says. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, Verse 19, who being past feeling. Why does not people blush and get embarrassed and feel ashamed of their sin? They have gotten past feeling. They used to have some feeling about it. They used to have conviction that didn't let them go over here and do this, amen, or wear this kind of clothing or do this or do that. But they kept trampling and trampling that inner being to where the point where it's gone. And no, that because you don't feel convicted don't mean that God, amen, is approving of what you're doing. who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's tight, but it's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Amen. And doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience sheared with a hot iron. That's why you've gotten past feeling. That's why the world's got past feeling. That's why all these people out here doing everything they think and still want to call themselves Christians, still want to be a, uh, say they're, they're, they're this and they're that, amen. Their pride and their sin has numbed them, amen. It has deceived them. Uh, they have seared their conscience with a hot iron and they do not feel the conviction in their heart. Hallelujah. The final state of any individual who gets to this point, and now listen to me close. Listen to me close here. The final state of any individual who gets to this point and never repents because they have no conscience and feeling any longer, God will turn them over to a reprobate mind. If and when that occurs, there will never be a change or repentance any longer. 
I say that sorrowfully and heavily. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something, folks. Don't, 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 don't get misconstrued God's grace and mercy for acceptance. Hallelujah. What did God, what did God tell Noah and say back in Noah's day before the flood came? The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men. Another scripture says, Call on the Lord while he is near. How many remember that scripture? Well, you know, if you said call upon the Lord while he's near, that kind of leads me to think there might be a time in your life that he may not be near. We don't need to be playing around with the Spirit of the Lord. You shouldn't ever quench his Spirit when God's Spirit is directing you and leading you. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but their mind and conscience is defiled. Look at verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. Another scripture. I'm, I'm winding this down with some scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their follies shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was, my Lord. One final scripture in Romans, and we are, we are teaching on Wednesday night, by the way, out of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verses 27 through 28, And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, which, by the way, that word convenient there, a little bit different than the English word convenient back in 1611. It means proper or fitting. Proper or fitting. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. You know what? There's nothing like the grace, the mercy, and the love of God. And we are, even though we're living in such bad times, you need to be thankful that we're still living in the dispensation of grace. You still have an opportunity to have your past wiped away 
to be able to start afresh and anew. To allow the peace of God that passes all understanding to fill your heart. What has happened to the blush? I don't know about you, but it, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to God that this old fellow right here still got a little, got a tender heart. That when I do mess up and I do mistake, make a mistake or do wrong, you know why? You know why David? I believe David, after committing the bad sins that he did. Hallelujah, brother Darrell. I'd like you to come on up. I'd like to, you know, to do a, a course. We all know about the sins of David, and he committed adultery, and then he committed murder to cover up his adultery. Why did God forgive David, and why was he able to go on and do greater things and exploits from that point of time? Let me, let me tell you my uh, thoughts concerning that in a lot of the scripture that I've talked about, about what has happened to the blush. When, when Nathan the prophet came to see King David, and Nathan kind of spoke a parable, and David didn't know that Nathan was talking about him and his sin. And David reared up and said, who is this man? That man shall not live. He's going to die. Nathan pointed his finger right at David and said, Thou art the man. You know, why, you know why I believe that David was able to get through that and repent and, and, and read the 51st chapter of Psalms. That was David's repentance prayer, by the way. Read that whole chapter, Psalms 51 sometime. I believe, I, don't, I believe when Nathan the prophet pointed his finger at David and told him, Thou art the man, David didn't get mad at the message giver. He didn't get mad at the prophet. He didn't say, I ain't coming to your church no more, buddy. Right. But I believe David blushed and he hung his head in shame. <laughs> Even though he messed up his sin, he still had, he had con some conviction. He was humiliated. Here he was. I'm the king. I'm the psalmist of Israel. It was through my hand that God, I seen Goliath fall. I seen a lion and a bear when I was a young man destroyed. God has always been with me. David began to blush. He was embarrassed. He was ashamed over his sin. The Bible said, Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. Hallelujah. As long as you retain that blush, there's a chance in your life that God will bring you back and you can receive something. 